Hi, I'm Dave Bush on KZ1O, and this is 99hobbies.com. Today we're talking with Scott in E1RD about his recent trip to Montserrat and some of the uh, things that went into the planning before that. Um, this was a, re- a really good conversation. It takes a lot longer than I would have expected, uh, and I hope that uh, you guys that listen to me on the train, this is going to be about 22 minutes. Um, I had a lot of fun with this. I hope you do too. Hi, Scott, and thanks again for joining us on 99 Hobbies. Hey, Dave. Thanks for asking me. Well, we've got a lot to uh, talk about today. Um, Let's start with the 100-pound de-expedition. Can you tell me uh, how that idea started? Well, that idea started uh, not long after Sandy and I had taken a trip to Hawaii. I decided that uh, bringing a radio on our uh, on our trip to Hawaii, gee, was two or three years ago, was a terrific idea. So I built an Allcraft K2 and uh, threw that in the bag along with uh, just a small amount of stuff. And I had such a good time. It just occurred to me that uh, you could have a pretty nice vacation, even a family vacation, and you still bring a radio along and actually do some really exciting operations far away from home in conditions you maybe not would have at home or speak with people that you couldn't easily talk to from home. And the the uh, parameters around this was how much could you actually carry comfortably? Well, they let you check two bags. Each bag's about 50 pounds. Sounds like 100 pounds to me. So that's a 100-pound <laughs> de-expedition. That's how that got started. Okay. Now, we, we talked last year on this podcast about um, one of your trips. Last uh, summer at the Boxborough Convention, um, you had something exciting going on there. You want to tell us about that? Well, I did. Uh, Boxborough is the uh, Northeast Regional Convention for the ARRL, and uh, it occurs every two years, uh, basically in the town next to mine, so it's hard to miss. <laughs> the uh, The organizers uh, put out a call for um, for talks, and I threw my 100-pound de-expedition out there and uh, was accepted. It gave me a chance to talk to people about uh, the first few trips that uh, I had done. And my goal here is to try to convince people that this is something that almost everybody can do. It's if you've got a ham license and you've got an if you've got an itch to operate, this is a great way to do it, and uh, you can still do it without having it interfere with family time, really. So Boxborough's uh, convention let me present this idea, uh, and really the first two or three uh, trips that I had taken under this banner, the 100 Pound de Expedition, uh, presented to a pretty large audience and had a very good time doing so. Well, just to um, illustrate the point, there's been a couple times you've gone down to Boston and set up, and that's that's not really a de-expedition, although you did activate an island. I did. Boston Harbor Islands, uh, which is North America, I believe, 148, uh, there are uh, reasonably rare, as it turns out, and right in my backyard. So the Boston Harbor's Island, George's Island in particular, is where I've gone, and uh, it gives me great practice to pick some lightweight gear and say perhaps this would be good for the next uh, 100 pound de-expedition so i pack up some subset of it some batteries and some suntan lotion and i head uh, head out there's a ferry that leaves uh, boston harbor pretty much on the hour during the summer i go out to boston harbor island george's island specifically uh 
pop-up at Antenna, and I've uh, I've activated that island I think probably about a half a dozen times last uh, last summer, and it's great fun, and it's also great practice for this kind of activity. I've seen a lot of DX spots where they say he's at it again, and so forth. <laughs> so you're getting a reputation. It's uh, it's a reasonably sought-after island because uh, you know again uh, there have been a few big activations there where they've been able to tap into the power, but the power supply is produced by the Park Service uh, from their generator, so it's not available to the general public. So most of the activity that's ever been from that island, and there has not been much of it, has been from batteries. So uh, it's my my time on the island is basically by how much battery I'm willing to haul out there. I, you went there, and all the equipment that you had with you, you, you took on the train, right? Uh, I yeah, I've, I've either um, taken the taken the train down, uh, or else uh, parked at uh, at the aquarium, which is right where the uh, the ferry service leaves. But it still means rolling, uh, you know, antennas and you know your transceivers and so on, and backpacks and and rolling carts and stuff down to the down to the ferry service so it's a little bit of a hike but it again it really makes you focus on bringing only the equipment that you need um for example what what would a typical setup be when you went to uh, george's island what would the equipment be that you had with you the well uh i took two kinds of setups so i took a qrp setup i took my elecraft k2 and uh a big buddy pole system down for uh the AWR. i'm sorry for the radio society of great britain's iota contest which is their islands on the air contest they have that i believe that's in july and uh, i operated for i think on the order of about six hours uh from from that island and and did pretty well so that's uh that's a qrp setup and now this, remember this is at the bottom of the cycle and i still had plenty of takers mm. i think i worked about 100 contacts in that six hours and some pretty casual operations i've also taken uh, an icom 7000 out there cranked it up to you know 30 or 40 watts and used a variety of antennas including uh fishing poles with uh you know with a wire hanging off of it i used a sigma 5 um uh, vertical antenna buddy poles just about anything that'll radiate, I've given it a shot out there. <laughs> well, of course, the, the main reason that we chose today to talk, um, you just got back from another adventure. I did. I just returned from Montserrat. Uh, there were seven of us that traveled down to the island of Montserrat for and, a and where is that located? Where is that located? Montserrat is in the Caribbean. It's uh, very near Antigua, along that uh, outside islands, and it's about 35 miles south and west of Antigua. Okay. And how long, from the time you left your house, how long till you got there? <laughs> well, my goodness, uh, I left on a, I left on Sunday. Uh, six of the seven of us rendezvoused down in Orlando, and uh, we did the Sunday night last equipment check, where we uh, shuffled around some weight, made sure we had all the things we needed, and then we left Monday morning for uh, first San Juan, then to Antigua, and then a charter flight from Antigua to Montserrat. So we were there by uh, late afternoon on Monday quite a trip well tell me about the uh planning that went into this when did you start um thinking about it when did you start getting things in place well uh the history is always a little more messy than uh, any timeline but <laughs> here's here's my take on it uh, i visited st john in the u.s virgin islands last march for the awrl dx contest and posted some of my pictures to my website uh, of the shack which wasn't much of a shack it was a pretty nice place uh, but it had all my antennas on top including a full-size 20 meter vertical with two radials uh, it was kind of a big ground plane for 20 meters that ended up on the front page of the buddy pole users group on yahoo and i 
think interest probably sparked from there. Oh. Uh, I got an email message from uh, a fellow about a month later telling me that uh, Chris Drummond and his dad, Bud, were considering a trip to the Caribbean in the winter, and my name came up immediately for the team. Uh, when I visited Dayton in May, I stopped by uh, stopped by these guys' booth and uh, handed them my QSL card from the St. John's trip, and at that point, I think the trip was on. Uh, <laughs> we just needed to pick where. I, I suggested some exotic places like KSL Bank, uh, just south of Florida, but Bud and Chris had seen this article in World Radio about some guys who had visited Montserrat, and that was basically it. That we're, We were sort of locked <laughs> in. Uh, it was a great choice. I certainly have no regrets. Oh, that's good. So this this started uh, how long before you actually uh, took the trip? Well, we're talking about April now, uh, April through, uh, and we actually left in late January. So this is uh, it's got to be about eight months, mm. eight months of planning. So is you can't just go to a library shelf someplace and get a book on how to do a de-expedition, right? I, well, there are, there are some excellent books on de-expeditions, some excellent works on de-expeditions. Uh, uh, there's a de-expeditioning basic white paper that you can download off the AWR website, and uh, there's a de-expeditioning book... Um, that you can get also from the ARRL. Those are excellent sources of materials for this, but mostly you just have to uh, read and study anything that you can find on it. You know, there's uh, an article on the expeditions just about every uh, every month in both the major magazines and uh, in some other places. I've read and scoured most everything I could find <laughs> to try to figure out how to do this. It's uh, it's a big learning curve, and it's been uh, it's been fun learning about how to do it. Now, during this uh, time of planning, and also during the the uh, expedition itself, you've been keeping a blog going haven't you i have it's it's been my hope that uh, as i stumble around and try to figure out how to do this if i just reveal uh, what i've learned each day to to people it'll be helpful for them i'd really like it very much if uh, other people got the itch and decided that they could travel and anything i've uh, written would uh, help them make better decisions so we've got a couple of um websites that we'll put into the show notes here one where this blog where you've almost a daily entry is that right just about and then the other one where you actually talk about the de-expedition to montserrat we'll put that in there too that's right the de-expedition has its own website okay good can you tell me a little bit about the uh, team that went down there Sure. The guys who started this were Bud and Chris Drummond, W3FF and W6HFP. Chris owns Buddy Pole Antennas, uh, which sells improved commercial versions of his dad's initial designs. They were uh, both big into HF pack, uh, the portable and pedestrian mobile enthusiasts, uh, and love to travel and operate their HF portable setups. The next guys on board were me, uh, a fellow named Dan Gagnon, uh, WZ1P, Mike Greenwood, uh, KC4VG, Paul Van Dyke, uh, KB. 9 AVL. Unfortunately, Dan had to bow out because of a conflict, so we uh, we picked two guys up a little later in the process, Tom Clark, W4OKW, and Bob Follett, AB7ST. Uh, we had a couple of problems that needed to be solved immediately. The first was just getting to Montserrat. Uh, Montserrat's still recovering economically from the recent volcano eruptions, and the big one uh, destroyed the airport uh, that they had. Uh, the whole capital was buried under 40 feet of ash and mud, and many of the residents simply left because there was no jobs, there's no school, no housing, and so on. Uh, the population of the island right now is down to about uh, 5,700. They were running a ferry service between Antigua and Montserrat uh, while they built this new airport, but uh, the ferry service actually ran at a loss. It was subsidized by the government. And the airport's runaway is so small that only airplanes like Twin Otters can get in and out, so it's still a pretty uh, isolated place to get to. Hmm. Uh, the airplane that makes that run between uh, Antigua and Montserrat had 
a uh, 20 kilogram, that's 44 pound limit to the baggage. So obviously that caught our attention right away. Uh, that, was, <laughs> that wasn't going to work for us. So Chris actually arranged to uh, charter a flight. And uh, so we had the airplane to ourselves, just our stuff. And that was uh, pretty nice. It's uh, it, it sounds like an extravagance, but actually it didn't really cost that much more than what a regular flight would have cost. They just ran an extra airplane for us. So if you've got seven guys, uh, it's you've got a lot more leverage than you do when it's just two of you. Sure. So licensing was the other problem. You know, it's, we're talking about problems here. The uh, Montserrat government's advertising right now for a telecommunications officer. There isn't one right now. Uh, so in the end, uh, a local ham, Roel Hickson, uh, VP2MFH, uh, walked all of our paperwork through the process and got us our electronic copies. We actually had email with, uh, you know, the images of what our license certificate would look like, and then they followed up uh, with a postal version of that later. So that was a that was a huge, huge help. I oh, don't know how we would have gotten in, uh, through this through this bureaucracy nightmare if it uh, hadn't been for local hams. They that's the other thing you can do. It's a very collegial uh, atmosphere down there. You know, the local hams were came by and visited. They were very helpful. And anytime you try to travel to one of these places, try to hook up with the local hams and local ham groups they're definitely a big asset for you you mentioned that in your trip to hawaii too i did i i, I ran into uh i ran into some local hams uh down there i brought my two meter handheld and uh hit the local repeaters and and asked questions like hey where's the best place to get good japanese food and uh, <laughs> you know they <laughs> the locals know where these these places are sure. and i also heard about an island net that they hold each afternoon about four four o'clock and uh so i was uh welcomed with open arms there it's it was a it was a great boon to me to be able to connect up with some local hams some of whom i'm still in contact with today oh that's super um when when you're about to do a trip like this um do you let the amateur community know about it ahead of time? What do you do for publicity? Well, uh, it's it's very helpful to be able to get your to get the word out. Uh, we'd hoped that this would be uh, a fun trip, just both to to watch and then to work us uh, when we finally got there. And uh, of course, with my blog, I was hoping that it would be also educational to help people learn how to do that themselves. But uh, the publicity part of this was uh, actually a, a big part. Now, I was um, I thought that this would be a lot different than the big commercial sized de expeditions, you know, that have thirty operators in a shipping container full of stuff <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not what we were doing this really was something that you know your average ham could do so we wanted to get the word out and give people a chance to watch it all unfold in hopes that you know they'd be able to work us but maybe you know my personal goal was to also hope that it would be uh, an inspiration to have other people perhaps do this in our footsteps uh, i got the de-expedition website started in august so this is well before you know operations were planned uh, and that provided the cornerstone for you know the publicity machine that i tried to spin up once that was up I, I sent out a press release you know the bums the buddy poll users on montserrat group announces the expedition of montserrat and i printed out a nice press release form and sent it to the ARRL that actually appeared in uh, QST magazine uh, this this winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sent something to CQ, World Radio, DX Magazine, The Daily DX, and a few other places. It was picked up by some, not all, but I, I think the word did get out. Then I started hitting all the places that you know should be interested in a project like this. I, t- I put entries on the websites of the Radio Society of Great Britain's IOTA registry, the announced DX operations, and so on. And at some point, the announcement kind of became viral. It uh, you know, I put it one place, but it got picked up by 12 others and then sure. by 12 more sure. and so on. So that, that was great. I think we uh, did a good job of getting the word out. What other, we talked about planning a little bit before. Could you tell me what some of the items were that needed to be planned for and how you did it? 
Well, I, I was probably the most annoying team member by far. Uh, <laughs> what I, I did want to plan and execute on everything, uh, I was definitely the one who said we need a plan. Uh, I was the first one to always step up and say that. I still wanted to have fun, of course, but uh, I did want to make sure that we had a successful trip, and mostly I made this, uh, I wanted to make sure that this de-expeditioning approach looked viable to people. Uh, I've been pushing this 100-pound de-expedition thing for a while. I, I really believe that lots of people could have a ton of fun if they were to just try a trip with this stuff. Uh, even just limiting themselves to 100 pounds. But anyway, I was always pushing the group on planning. Uh, I was pushing things like, I need your picture for the website. I need your biography for the website. Uh, you need to tell me what log program you're using so we can consolidate all these logs and put them on the website. And please sign the model release form. You need to sign the general agreement. You need to give me your spreadsheet with your equipment. We didn't want to bring, um, with a 100-pound limit on everybody, or another way to look at it, we had 700 pounds between the seven of us. We wanted to bring at least one of everything we needed and not two. Right. And, uh, you know, so that meant coordinating. You know, we didn't want to bring seven sets of tools. So one guy brought tools. One guy brought, you, you get the idea. Right. And sure. uh, so there was a, it was, uh, we coordinated that by exchanging spreadsheets and lists and so on and identifying holes in places or duplication. So that was, that was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of the, the planning thing right there. And I confess fully that I was a tremendous pain in the neck during this whole, during this whole <laughs> exercise. But uh, our day expedition motto was not rare, but well done. I mean, we know that Montserrat wasn't the rarest place in the world, but uh, it doesn't lead anybody's most wanted list. But I wanted to make sure we did a good job and, you know, we were class act. I think we did that. Um, as a bonus to me, I think the guys did not uh, gang up on me and hog tie me and throw me in the volcano, which I'm sure was under discussion <laughs> at least once. Well, let me ask you this, and this is, this is the big thing. Operating itself, tell me about... Uh how that went well after all the planning is done and all the obsessing is done then we were finally there and uh, and a chance to really enjoy this place first thing i need to tell you is what an incredibly beautiful place this was our villa gingerbread hill had a nearly 180 degree view of the caribbean so uh it was an extremely beautiful place there was a uh, there was a hummingbird feeder literally four or five feet from my operating position so these hummingbirds would zoom by like <laughs> like big insects but uh it was uh it was paradise basically and that was what i that was what i was looking at when i was sitting at the operating position looking out uh looking out over the caribbean while i while i worked people we um it felt like home after about a day. We were very, very comfortable there. We had planned two fixed stations, one for me and one for Paul, KB9AVL. And uh, I would work SSB. Paul would work all the data modes. And the at least the original plan was the other guys would either take off uh, trade off on these stations or else take off and go do portable operations. Now, all that was a plan, but it didn't work out that way entirely. It's another <laughs> one of those cases where, you know, when plans meet reality, they uh, they sometimes uh, get, get altered. We ended up with three stations on the air a lot of the time, uh, the two just mentioned, but then either Bud Drummond or Tom Clark would be on a third station. And uh, we got, once we got our antennas spread out, which we, our antenna plan, of course, when you added the third station, that got, uh, that, that had to get remixed. But once we got our antennas uh, spread out, uh, we had uh, three stations on the air, and I think I think we did pretty well. I think in the end, having that third station on the air benefited the trip. There were lots and lots of portable operations by Bud and Chris and Mike. Uh, we have some bicycle mobile yeah, operations. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, Bud borrowed a mountain bike from our hosts and fixed it up with an antenna and a transceiver, and he did he did very well on it. So. 
like I said, uh, Montserrat isn't the rarest place on the planet, but we figured there would be benefits for activating work bands and data modes, uh, since those were least likely to be in people's logs. Contesting uh, probably filled up uh, CW and SSB on all the contesting bands, 40, 20, 15, and 10. So we did 30 meters and 17 meters, and we also had uh, full-size vertical for 80. And uh, I sat in the DX window on 75 a couple of nights and made uh, a large number of contacts there. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody tell me on the air, thank you for giving them a new one, either a, a new band or a new mode on this band. It, hmm. it happened a lot. So I think our, our strategy of concentrating on these operating bands and modes, uh, the work bands and uh, the data modes worked out very well. Oh, that's a good idea. I don't know if you have it there at your fingertips, but uh, tell me about the statistics, like number of QSOs, number of countries. Our operating statistics, a little preliminary still. I, I need to go through the log one more time. But we had roughly 2,400 QSOs in very casual operations. Uh, mm. You know, I, I probably could have put many more in the log, uh, but didn't. 82 DXCC entities, uh, 23 zones, 47 states. Uh, we're missing the usual suspects, Alaska and Hawaii and Nevada <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, we had about 271 CDs. W contacts, about uh, 98 PSK 31 contacts, and uh, 22 RIDI, and uh, just over 2,000 SSB contacts. I personally put th- roughly 1,300 contacts in the log myself. Huh. And that's a roughly a week of op- not quite a week of operating. That's right, because we had uh, you know certainly a full day of setup. Uh, it gets dark there very quickly, so we didn't get much setup uh, the first evening that Monday we were there and needed to tear things down be, uh, pretty much a full day before we left. So uh, I'm pretty pleased with how this turned out. Mostly we showed that this approach of bringing very lightweight equipment, it was viable. We did, uh, I think we made our goals. You also had uh, real-time updating of the web page that showed the call sign that was worked in the band. Yeah, it wasn't quite real-time. Uh, it was my goal to have the online logs updated each night. And uh, we, we did pretty well with that. It was very difficult to do that from the portable operating guys because they were doing paper and pencil and uh, they were pretty exhausted by the end of the day. So <laughs> getting uh, getting their stuff into the computer and then get the data checked and so on was uh, was a little bit of a tedium, but we uh, I think we've got a pretty good uh, accurate log now at this point. So everybody should be able to look on the website and see themselves in the online log. That's great. Now let me ask you this. If, if you had to do it all over again, would you? Oh. In a heartbeat. In fact, uh, you know, on the way home, I've already picked out uh, where, where we're going next. So uh, we got on an airplane, a big Airbus uh, uh, out of Antigua flying back to Puerto Rico, and I looked out the window and saw these beautiful little islands right below me. They looked really interesting. And so I looked at the shape and said, ah, that must be St. Kitts and Nevis. I think I'm going to go there. So I've already rented uh, I've already rented a villa for, uh, for the fall. I'll be there for uh, uh, CQ Worldwide in October, and uh, I can't wait. I just can't wait. Well, I'm going to be listening for you, and uh, I'm sure everybody else will, too. That sounds like a lot of fun. Scott Anderson, NE1RD, thanks so much for being on 99 Hobbies. Thanks, Dave.